It's always exciting to get to, to come together and, and see uh, so many faces and, and so many people. If you're a guest, uh, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are honored that you have uh, decided to spend your Sunday morning uh, with us. And um, if you are new, we would love an opportunity uh, to meet you uh, downstairs after service and just to introduce ourselves. Unless you introduce uh, yourself to us, uh, we would really, really enjoy that. How many people know that I like coffee? Anybody know that? How many people did not know that? Anybody right here? Where have you been the last five years? <laughs> I love coffee. And um, I found that maybe the best way to consume water is through drinking coffee. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You put just a little bit of coffee grounds. Well, I put a lot of coffee grounds. but. In a pot of coffee, there's like a whole liter of water. So if I drink that whole pot, I've got like 
32, 34 ounces worth of my daily limit of water. Does it work that way? It does? It doesn't? Any health people, it will work? Okay. Uh, somebody told me that, that because of the caffeine that it doesn't count. Now, let me set the record straight. I do not like just any coffee. Maxwell House, I'm sorry, is not coffee. Folgers, unless you have it here on Sunday morning and Wilson makes it, it's not coffee. Decaf is not coffee. We got any decaf drinkers here? Nobody wants to admit it. That's good. Those, those things, they don't make the, the cut in my book. I mean, I have been called many times a coffee snob. Uh, somebody bought me a t-shirt for Christmas that said, Proud Coffee Snob. And I wear that shirt proudly uh, because th that's a title that I'm proud of. So you know that I love coffee. Now, if you know anything else about me, you also know that I like to talk. Anybody figure that out? My wife didn't even raise her hand. I like to talk. I like to have conversation. I like to sit down with someone and learn about their past and learn about what they're going through and, and learn about what they're striving for. And, and, and I also like to sit down with people and, and gain knowledge from them, to listen to them. And so to me, you put coffee and conversation together and you have a great thing going. A few... Uh, actually, last year, I began to think about Hebrews chapter 11. And I thought about how then Hebrews chapter 11, they call it uh, the, uh, the hall of faith. Because in Hebrews 11, there is listed uh, all of these people who God said had extraordinary faith. And because of their extraordinary faith, they made an extraordinary difference. And so last year sometime I had a thought. I thought, what would it be like to, to look at some of those characters, some of those figures found in Hebrews chapter 11? What would it be like if you could just sit down for a cup of coffee? What would they, what would they want me to know? What kind of knowledge? I mean, what could I learn from them? I mean, apparently they did something right. Apparently uh, they had the faith that was, had enough faith to be listed in this chapter. What would they want me to know? And so last year we looked at some of those characters. Uh, well, today I, I want to take a look at what it would be like if I could sit down with Noah. What would Noah say? What would Noah want me to know? I know one thing I would like to ask Noah. I would like to ask him... Why didn't you kill those two flies when you had the chance? But what would he tell me? Now, I want you to help you understand the Bible maybe a little bit better. The Bible is not in chronological order. The books are grouped together. Biblical history goes back about 6,000 years. 4,000 years before Christ, and then 2,000 years after Christ. Now, Noah was 10 generations after Adam. So about a thousand years. So Noah was born about 3000 BC. Noah lived to be 950 years old. Can anybody imagine? How many people feel like you're 950 this morning? All right. Noah didn't have kids until he was 500 years old. To me, that was pretty smart. He started building the ark. When he was 600 years old. 
Noah's grandfather was the oldest man to ever live, Methuselah. So when we start looking at Noah's story, it starts when wickedness had started to fill the earth. So when I look at Noah, what would he want me to know? <laughs> what would he want to tell me? And I believe that one thing that Noah would want me to know is that one person can make a difference. And so this morning, this message is for everyone who thinks that your life doesn't matter. This morning, this message is, is for people who are on the verge of giving up. People who, who are on the verge of stop running the race. This is for you. People who think that, that your life doesn't matter. Noah, it, it talked about Noah twice in the New Testament, by Jesus and by Peter. And in both places, they were talking about the last days. Jesus said it this way. He says, as it was in the days of Noah. So Jesus is there, he's talking, he's saying, listen, as it was in the days of Noah. Now the people that he were talking to, they understood what Jesus meant by that. You may be sitting here this morning and think, well, how was it? Well, Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 tells us this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that He made human beings on the earth. And His heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. And then in verse 8, this is where I find. It says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That motivates me. Because that, what that allows me to know is, is that even though the earth was filled with wickedness, that one man, one man found favor. And the reason that I believe that Noah would tell us that one person can make a difference is because he understands that he did. God was ready to, to wipe it all out. God was disappointed in what he had created. He was ready to wipe it all out, to start over. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah made a difference. And I want you to hear this this morning because I don't want us to live our lives thinking that we are doing our part simply by not adding to the wickedness. We look at ourselves and we think, well, I'm doing my part because I'm not doing all the things that people consider wicked. And by doing that, we make it all about ourselves. But this morning, I want you to realize that we can make a difference and that it is our responsibility not to simply just live our lives not adding to the wickedness, but to help shine light in the midst of the wickedness. 
Three things I want you to know this morning. First of all, you can make a difference for your family. You can make a difference for your family. Genesis chapter 7 verse 1. says, the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family. Because I have found you righteous in this generation. Now when I look at that. I immediately see something. He says, you go into the ark, you and your whole family. But then he comes back and he says, why can they do that? He says, because I have found you righteous. Noah, I have found you right. It didn't say anything about his family. It didn't say that his family was righteous. But because of Noah, because of Noah living a righteous life, the people around him were affected And we need to understand that that we are affecting people that are close to us right now. We're either affecting them positively or negatively. But we have an effect. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 tells us this. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Now what we have here, this is when Paul and Silas were in jail. And the chains had broken off. And they became afraid. The jailer became afraid. Because he knew that if these guys get away, I'm, it's going to cost me my life. And he, he comes to their feet and he falls down. And he says, what do I need to do? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. You and your household. Now, this can be confusing because you can read that and you can think, well, wait a minute. So if I get saved, my family gets saved? If I'm right with the Lord, does that make my family right with the Lord? That's not what it's saying. Because if you continue to read, notice what happens. It says that they shared the word. They shared the word of the Lord with him and his household. Then they were baptized. Then they believed. I believe that that they they were giving just a little bit of prophecy here. It says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, that you can have this salvation. And your family can believe in the Lord Jesus. And they can have salvation. The jailer took the gospel to his family. They heard it. They believed. They were saved. By looking at this, we should know that our salvation isn't just about us. The way we live our lives is not just about us. Your faith is not simply personal. Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they will glorify God as well. He said we are called to be the salt and the light of the earth. And if you don't get anything else out of today, I want you to to leave this building knowing that you can make a difference in your sphere of influence. When you do a little research about what people and what's considered your sphere of influence... Research will say that's about 12, anywhere between 12 and 17 people. And they even take it one step farther and they say that, that anyone that you spend a, a combined hour a week with 
is considered your sphere of influence. And as you're listening today, you're thinking, okay, who does that include in my life? Who does that include in my life? God said, you can make a difference. You can make a difference for your generation. Young people, let me talk to you just for a minute. One of the devil's tricks is to make you think that life is not about making a difference for your generation. He wants you to believe that your life is, is all about what you can do. What you can do to enhance your life. He wants you to believe that it's all about you. And if we aren't careful, that happens to us all. Now you may, may be sitting here this morning and saying, come on, pastor, I've heard this before. Come on, pastor, tell me something deep. Tell me something I, I don't know. My word for deep is confusing. The gospel is simple. One pastor put it this way. He said, don't come to church looking for something deep. I consider this like a, a, the locker room at halftime. In the locker room, you go in and you get challenged to go back out onto the field and to play better in the second half than you played in the first. That's what life is about. Life is about making a, a determination and coming together and making a decision that we're going to quit focusing on just what's right in front of our face, but to see the big picture. Do we have any nearsighted people here? Until this week, I didn't understand what nearsightedness was. It's the only condition that, that I can think of that actually is named for what you can do. Nearsighted means you can see near. I didn't know that till this week. I always got confused. Farsighted means you can see. You're catching on. Farsighted means you can see. I just want to see if you're awake. Farsighted means you can see. Thank you. But a lot of times we live our life being nearsighted. A lot of times we are simply focused on right here. We're focused on ourselves. And when we live life that way, when we live life that way, we're not doing it as Christ has called us to do. Jesus said, open your eyes. Look at what is going on. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. When David had served his purpose in his generation. Can I tell you that, that David is no different than us? That we all have a purpose for this generation. We all have something to do. God is looking for someone. Wouldn't it be awesome... Wouldn't it be awesome if everyone listening today would make a decision that says, okay, God, I'm ready. God, I want to make a difference. God, I, I want to change lives. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. In this you have done. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. 
He said, I'm looking throughout the earth. And then in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, he said this, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. My biggest fear is, is that God looks down and He says, I'm looking for people to stand in the gap. I'm looking for people who will make a difference. He says He was looking for people, but He couldn't find anyone. When God looks at me, I, I want Him to see someone who wants to make a difference. So we're having this cup of coffee with Noah. We're getting close to the bottom of the cup. And this is like Starbucks. You don't get refills. Your time together is almost over. What would be the last things that Noah would want us to know? I believe that, that Noah would tell us that our generation looks a lot like the one he was living in. That our generation is full of unrighteousness, wickedness. It's messed up. Noah would tell us, if you're going to change that, if you're going to, to make a difference, here's what I had to do. First, I wasn't afraid to stand out in a crowd. He wasn't afraid to stand out in a crowd. The chances are that God is going to ask you to do something that goes against the flow. God is going to ask you to do something that are going to make people look at you and wonder what you're doing or why you're doing it. We wonder why we're not making a difference. Why we can't be a difference maker. Often it's because we're not different. I mean, think about Noah. It had never rained. He's 600 years old. And he starts building a boat. Can you imagine what people must have thought? Now, I can imagine when, when God first told Noah, he probably was pretty fired up about it. He probably was excited and he thought, okay, I can do this. And I liken to that when we first become a follower of Christ. We're excited. We're gung-ho. We want to tell everybody. I can remember the night that I gave my life to Christ. And when it was over... I had school the next day and it was late. But there was nothing stopping me. I wanted to go to my grandparents' house and tell them. I think we got them out of bed. But I wanted to tell them. And I can imagine Noah was that way in the beginning. All right, I'm going to do this. But then after a while, people mocking him. People looking at him. People thinking, um... Noah, you've been at this thing for 100 years now. It took him 120 years to build this boat. But he kept going. 
Even when he didn't feel like it, he kept going. And Noah would say, listen, don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd when, when your friends are doing things that you know displease God. Don't be afraid to, to stand out in the crowd when, when everybody else is doing something that you know that you shouldn't be doing. Don't be uh, afraid to stand out in the crowd when someone calls you to gossip and you say, listen, I don't want to hear it. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to make a difference. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says this, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man, not being willing to stand out in the crowd, it's a snare. It keeps us from fulfilling what God has for us in our life. Listen, it's hard to live righteous in an unrighteous world. It's hard to stand out in the crowd when it's a whole lot easier just to mix in with them. But there's so much unrighteousness going on around us. We cannot be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Secondly, I think Noah would tell us, don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. God has a history of that. You see, to, to be a difference maker, you have to be more concerned about obeying God than looking foolish. To be a difference maker, sometimes you have to get over your fear. I can remember growing up that, that I was scared to death to get on roller coasters. I just, I didn't want to do it. And someone convinced me just one time, one time, to get on. And from that day, I've always loved roller coasters. But what did it take? I had to do it for the first time. Maybe it's talking to your neighbor about Christ. You're scared to death. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. The more you do it, and when you understand that you're making a difference, it sets a fire in your soul. You say, I want more. I want to make a difference. There is nothing like making a difference in someone's life. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says this, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Because Noah was willing to listen. There's things in your life God wants to speak to you right now. He may be whispering to you right now. Things like, don't quit. Things like, step up. Maybe take a risk. Apologize now. Get help. Slow down. Call that person. 
get out of that unhealthy relationship. He's saying, start today. But we're afraid to take that step. But we can be a difference maker if we will. The last thing that I, and probably my favorite part of this story, is when the water receded, that he gave us a, a covenant sign about his promise. That sign meant that he would never destroy the earth again with water. It meant that he would always be with us. And when I see a rainbow, I remember that one person can make a difference. I remember that God is with me. You see, there's days that you may feel alone. There may be days that you feel like that you can't or you aren't making a difference. But Matthew chapter 28 verse 20 tells us this. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said, I'm with you. Take a step. Stand out in the crowd. Make a difference. Know that I'm with you. In the beginning, I said that there were two mentions of Noah in the New Testament. Jesus and Peter. Well, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, Peter has this to say. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word that the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire and being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If you're here this morning and, and you don't know Christ, this verse tells us that He is patient with you. That He doesn't want you to perish. That He wants you to find life in Him through repentance of your sin. And if you're here this morning and you do know Him, this verse speaks to me that there's work to be done. There are people who need to be reached. When I look at the year 2020, there's a lot of things I could say. There's a lot of things that come to my mind. But as I was thinking about it this week, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it's all a distraction. It's all a distraction. As the church, we are so busy in worrying about everything that's going on in the world. We're worried about this and we're worried about that. That we've taken our focus off of 
what we should be worried about. Because with everything that's going on in the world, there's nothing in this world that can happen that will change John 3.16. Where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. No one should perish, but everyone should have everlasting life. It doesn't change what was written in, in Matthew. We said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nothing that's going on in our world will change those things. As I begin to think about that, I stood at the bed of someone yesterday who passed from this life. To his eternity. And as I stood there with the family. Even though they were sad, they were rejoicing because they knew where he was. And that brought peace and that brought comfort. Knowing that he was with Christ. And as I left there and I drove home, it just hit me. And I began to think about he wasn't the only one who passed yesterday. And I begin to think about those people who passed yesterday that didn't know Him. And they didn't have that assurance. They didn't have the promise. And as I got home, I went to the bedroom and I just began to weep. I repented. Because it's so easy to take our focus off of what our purpose is. Nothing that happens in this world changes who God is. And so as you sit there today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to understand and to know you can make a difference. The enemy wants you to believe that you can't. The enemy wants you to believe that there's no use. The enemy wants you to believe that you're not important enough to make a difference. 
God says, you are. God says, you can. I want to ask you to stand right where you are. Normally at this point, I would ask you to, 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 to bow your head. And, but, but I want you to just keep looking up here. I want to ask you a question today. And I pray that this is a question that we all can answer yes with. And my question is, do you want to make a difference? Would you just raise your hand? Yes, I want to make a difference. Put your hands down. Let me ask you this. Do you believe you can make a difference? You can. Because God said you can. And we're going to close this service today and we're going to pray. I'm going to repent. taking my focus off of what my purpose is. And that's making a difference. And what kind of difference do I want to make? I want to see people cross from death to life. That's the difference that matters. You have that power. Not through you but through Christ. So would you pray with me? Father, I come before you this morning. God, I repent. God, it's so easy to get my focus off of what my purpose is. God, it's so easy when to just want to fit in with the crowd. God, it's so easy to hear You speaking to us but not listen. But God, I pray Father that You will forgive me. God, from this moment forward, that I'll not be worried about anything else. I won't be focused on things that I can't control. But God, I will dedicate my life to make a difference in my generation. God, for everyone that's listening today, Father, first of all, I pray that you give them reassurance that if they are following you, if they're listening to you, that they can make a difference. God, speak into our spirit that one 
person can make a difference. God, when you look down, God, I don't ever be guilty of you looking at me and said, I, I can find no one. God, as individuals and as a church, may we set our focus on you. May we set our focus on those who are lost. Help us make a difference. just by singing this chorus. pray if you got nothing else out of today that you leave here knowing that not only can you make a difference but God is looking for you to make a difference commit to him 100% make it focus of your life. Sacrifice. Because the saddest thing that you can face standing at the casket of a friend or a loved one who didn't know God and asking yourself the question could I have done more? We can make a difference in this community. They're hungry. They're looking for something. Let's be the salt and the light. We love you. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we are uh, rapidly approaching Christmas and uh, next week we'll be giving you some more information and allowing you to sign up to, to participate in our Christmas outreach. Uh, it's an exciting time if you're new around here um, and you haven't been part of that. It's just a, it's a blessing to be able to bless uh, these families. 
there are boxes at the back if, uh, if you want to uh, give offering, you can give online. Uh, COVID has kept us from taking, passing the plates. So we love you. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. Have a great Sunday.